The stars are out. WrestleMania week is here. People are saying this is like my Christmas. I'm more excited than I am for Christmas. And this week we'll hear all about it. We're going to break down everything going on WrestleMania week, NXT TakeOver, the big show on Sunday, the Hall of Fame, plus The Miz is joining us on the show. There is so much to talk about it. Let's start Not Sam Wrestling. is not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Oh my God. I'm not kidding. I am so excited. I can't believe it's only a couple days away. It's WrestleMania week. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. And we're going to have a great show today, I promise you that. It's going to be a great show only because the enthusiasm is going nowhere. One of the things that I really love to hear from you guys, you know, I always end up uh, uh, meeting you guys at these big shows that everybody comes into town for, whether it's, uh, you know, over at the Royal Rumble in Phoenix or any time. Any time that there's a gathering of wrestling fans, there's bound to be uh, some of you not-Samsonites popping up, even some not-Sam shills popping up. And I love that you guys always come up to me. And one of my favorite things to hear is, oh, man, we were just driving here from wherever we were coming from. And we were listening to your podcast to get all hyped up. I hear that every time. And I love hearing that every time because that's the whole point of the show is for me to have an outlet for all of this excitement and for you to be a part of it. And uh, and we're going to get it all done today on Not Sam Wrestling. Uh, We got The Miz, who is going to be on the show different from the interview that you might hear on Jim Norton and Sam Roberts this week on SiriusXM. This one is exclusive to the podcast and has everything to do uh, with 2K Games and what they've got going on. Of course, 2K Games is going to be a part of the NXT TakeOver New York pre-show. That's where uh, the, the, the finals of their million-dollar challenge is taking place. I'll tell you all about it. Um, I, of course, will also be a part of, uh, of the NXT TakeOver pre-show. That's where... Uh, that's where you'll find me uh, this week uh, or this weekend. You'll find me on the NXT TakeOver uh, pre-show that's on uh, the WWE Network as well as WWE's YouTube channel. Uh, on Friday, I believe that starts at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And then you will also, I believe that starts at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Check your local listings, but it's on the WWE Network and WWE's YouTube channel. You will also... Also find me uh, over at the WrestleMania uh, pregame show, the kickoff show, um, and that will be going down uh, Sunday night, of course, starting at 5 p.m. Eastern. That's going to be on the WWE Network. That's going to be across all forms of WWE's uh, social, and and the second hour will be on the USA Network starting at 6 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday night. So I'll be part of those two kickoff shows. I'm sure I'll be around doing stuff with WWE Digital. It's going to be a really, really fun weekend, and it's right here in New York. Now, part of the uh, part of the uh, uh, NXT pre-show, the NXT Takeover New York pre-show, is going to include uh, the WWE 2K19 Million Dollar Challenge. Of course, this is going down uh, as part of WrestleMania weekend. Uh, they put out a press release. The semifinals are going down at WrestleMania Access. That starts on Thursday afternoon is when WrestleMania Access starts here in New York in Brooklyn. Uh, Right around 1 p.m. Eastern, there's going to be competition highlights on Up, Up, Down, Down, uh, Xavier Woods Gaming Channel, of course, as well as WWE 2K on Facebook and Twitter. 
the finale of the WWE 2K19 Million Dollar Challenge, where you know you're going to have uh, not only is the finale meaning that somebody's got to beat AJ Styles at WWE 2K19 to win this million dollars, but they're going to get coached by a WWE superstar. WWE, there's several WWE superstars. Uh, they're going to be coaching different people. Uh, one of them is going to make it to the finals, and that's what we're going to see um, during the NXT TakeOver pre-show at the Barclays Center. It's going to go down approximately 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Okay, so I'm assuming that the NXT pre-show is actually at 6 p.m. Eastern, not at 7 p.m. Eastern. 6 p.m. Eastern. Halfway through or so, you're going to see the finale of the 2K19 WWE Million Dollar Challenge. So it'll be on the TakeOver pre-show on the WWE Network. Fox Sports digital platforms, including FoxSports.com, the Fox Sports app, Caffeine TV, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. WWE Network, obviously. WWE 2K on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, And the finale will be able to be watched on demand on the USA Network. USANetwork.com is where you would find the on demand. Uh, And I will tell you, it's going to be a a furious competition. One of the hosts of, uh, one of the coaches, I should say, of that competition uh, will be The Miz. And that's why he will be on the show in just a couple minutes here on Not Sam Wrestling. Uh, But in the meantime, you know, a lot to talk about. Of course, over on the Patreon page, uh, Mattel celebrating WrestleMania week with the release of the Red Rooster figure. They put out an elite Red Rooster action figure, which I think that all of us figured that they would never put out a Red Rooster figure. That's probably why I love it so much. Uh, I, I got one. I took it out of the box. I unboxed it, and I made a video of it. You can check that out over at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. Uh, also, for you guys that are Hall of Fame level shills at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling, the Not Sam chalkline jackets that you get for being a Hall of Fame level shill, those are officially starting to go out. They're officially starting to go out to the very first people that signed up as Hall of Fame level shills. Everybody's going to get them, but that's the only place that people can get them. I hope you guys, speaking of the Patreon page, enjoyed the audio guide I did to WrestleMania weekend, going down every event that's happening this weekend here in New York. Um, it's incredible. It's incredible what WrestleMania has become and what it what it is every year. It really is. It's To me, it's more than the Super Bowl at this point because the Super Bowl, it, for the NFL, it's a big event, but WrestleMania has expanded with with or without the WWE's consent, WrestleMania has expanded to an industry-wide celebration of wrestling, not just WWE, that lasts the entire weekend and that goes throughout the area of wherever the WWE plants their flag, right? This weekend, it's New York, New Jersey area. Next year, it'll be Tampa, and everywhere that you look in the Tampa and the surrounding areas, it will be wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. A lot of WWE, but a lot of independent wrestling too. If you wonder if the wrestling industry is healthy, all you have to do is look around when WrestleMania comes to your town, and that will answer every question that you have. Uh, The Miz is healthy. The Miz has a big match at WrestleMania. He's going one-on-one with Shane McMahon. I think this has been one of the better stories told over the course of uh, the weeks, I would say, leading up. Really, the months... You know, you could say this story really started towards the beginning of the year. You could say the end of the year. You could say that this story started at uh, Crown Jewel when Shane McMahon won uh, the WWE World Cup or whatever they were calling it. 
Uh, but realistically, I think that this story started when The Miz started courting Shane McMahon to be his partner um, and really hit that climax at the Royal Rumble when The Miz and Shane McMahon won the tag team titles. That was the step that they needed to illustrate the point that The Miz's dad was finally proud of him. It got The Miz's dad involved. This is a very personal story. You know, Shane McMahon always has an interesting spot at WrestleMania. Whether, you know, it's the match with AJ Styles, whether it's the match with The Undertaker, you know, whatever, whatever, wherever Shane McMahon falls on the WrestleMania card, it's interesting, but I love it when it's personal with Shane, because it's one thing when you watch because you know Shane McMahon is going to do something spectacular. It's another thing when you watch because Shane McMahon is telling you a story, and we're getting way more of a story in this interaction with The Miz than in WrestleMania's prior with Shane McMahon. So without further ado, enough talking about Shane McMahon, enough talking about WrestleMania, we'll talk about 2K19, we'll talk about all of it with The Miz. You know, when I get an email that says, hey, The Miz is doing interviews to promote, stop right there. It's been well established that when I find out that The Miz is doing interviews, I don't really have a choice to say no. If I were to say, you know, I don't really need to talk to The Miz again, I would never Stop hearing about it. I don't want to say that The Miz has guilted me into accepting every interview uh, request that he has for me. I'm not even going to say that I wouldn't take them because, of course, who wouldn't want to talk to The Miz? He's got a lot going on right now. But I am saying that not taking it, if that were the route that I wanted to go, is not exactly an option. So it's not the option that I did take. Luckily, we all benefit from it because we've got great content. And that is a conversation between myself and The Miz. And that is happening right now on Not Sam Wrestling. The Not Sam Wrestling interview. Waiting on you, man. Well, you need to wait no longer because there is there's one man who, when a press round is happening, I simply cannot say no to, mainly because I'll never hear the end of it. Back on the show, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome The Miz. What's the haps, The Miz? You know, I'm actually happy that uh, you made time for me today. I did. Uh, you know, there was once a time, you know, in my career where I was doing interviews all over Sirius XM <laughs> and someone couldn't make time for me, that they were busy, that they had too many people on and they couldn't make time. And that person was Sam Roberts. And I was very angry, very aggravated that I couldn't believe Sam Roberts didn't have time for me. But today you made that time. Right. You made the effort. Right. So I appreciate that, Sam. Well, I appreciate you being here, and I'm glad you're finally past that. I'm glad that that's not an issue for you anymore. It is still, but I'm still getting over it. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we'll, we'll get there. I think we'll get there. You know, it's an exciting time to be you. I did, though, so I was talking about you on a, on a kickoff show recently, uh, and it felt like my, my uh, analysis came true. I said... In the tag title match that you had with your former partner, Shane McMahon, against the Usos, that you, at your age, should not be so concerned with making, with pleasing your dad at this point, that it should be about the tag titles, not pleasing your dad. And it seemed like you pleasing your dad came back and bit you, and that's what has led to this entire uh, dissolution of your tag team. I love that you pat yourself on the back. 
even on your own, even on your own show. That's quite amazing that you have to pat yourself on the back. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you did make that analysis. I believe you also called me 40. Uh, I'm not 40. I'm in my late 30s, thank you very much. It was an estimate. And, uh, you know, it's one of those situations where this is kind of a, a story that, that, that feels real because it is real. You know, my dad isn't the type of dad, and I don't know what kind of dad that you had growing up, but my dad never said he loved me, never said he was proud of me. We do uh, that by, like, in our family, we show it by, uh, you know, what we do and how we support you rather than telling you up front. So the first time I've ever heard my dad say that he loved me or that he was proud of me was on national television <laughs> in front of 20,000 people. And so that was incredible to me. Like it was a huge moment, one of the best moments of my life. And so when you're in Cleveland, Ohio, which is my hometown where I grew up, there's a lot of nostalgia. Like I had friends and family in the uh, audience. My dad was there, you know, and uh, you know, it was the, the queue where I've watched so many, you know, Cavaliers games. You know, I'm a huge proponent of, of Cleveland, Ohio, and everything that it's given to me. I mean, my friends' support uh, from – I still have my friends from high school. I still talk to them all the time. You know, their love and support of what I do really drives me and motivates me. So I wanted to give them, you know, something that they'll remember, something that, 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 that they can be proud of, and that was winning a title for that city, uh, in that city. And that's what I really, really wanted. So I did things that were out of the ordinary of the Miz, but were definitely not, uh, you know, out of the bounds of my skill set. I can do anything that I put my mind to, I believe. And so, you know, and did I get caught at the end? Yes, I did. But what Shane did to me in front of my father, understand the wrath that, that he has unleashed, the fire that he has unleashed. And you're going to see a new Miz uh, come WrestleMania going up against Shane McMahon. Because it's one thing to put your hands on me. It's another thing to put your hands on my family. Well, that's what I was thinking. Like, you know, there's there's wrestling and there's real life. And at the end of the day, Shane McMahon really wrapped his real-life hand around your dad's real-life jaw and, like, physically manhandled him. And I, I was thinking that regardless of of what's performance and what's not, I would have a visceral reaction to somebody, regardless of it's, if it's the boss's son or not putting his hands on a family member of mine, especially my dad. Oh, it, 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 I don't care if he's the boss's son. I don't look at him like that. I look at him as pure evil, and I look at him as my enemy. You know, I, I once called him my, my co-bestie and my friend. You know, Shane taught me a lot about who I am. You know, if it wasn't for Shane McMahon, I don't think, you know, the audience would be truly behind me. You know, it, it, it all started with kind of becoming the co-besties and people wanting to see us be the best tag team in the world and win the tag team titles. And then when we won the titles. I mean, this is the first time I'm really getting approval from an audience that has hated me for 13 plus years. You know, so it, it's really interesting to see how this has all developed. And, uh, you know, I'm going to use it. I'm going to use the motivation that this audience is giving me, the positive vibes, and I'm going to use it to my advantage to not only beat Shane, but uh, really give him a beating that he deserves. I know, I know. You want to hear what The Miz is going to say next, and I promise you, 
We will get back to it momentarily. But I'm telling you, you know, we're talking about all the stuff going on WrestleMania weekend. And you know as you watch it all, whether you're watching the independent shows, whether you're watching the WWE shows, you're going to get FOMO. You are going to get a fear of missing out because you'll realize that you weren't in attendance at these events. Maybe you get that feeling when you're watching concerts on TV. Maybe you get that feeling when you're watching football games, basketball games. Maybe when people are talking about seeing Hamilton on Broadway. Whatever it is. You know it's always better to see this stuff in person, and I am here to help hook that up for you. You gotta see this stuff when it comes to your town, and sometimes it's worth taking a trip. The only problem is getting tickets is not the easiest thing in the world. We all know that. The ticket industry hasn't changed in a very long time. It's a bunch of big companies. They've been around forever. They don't really care about making the experience easier for you. Well, that used to be the way. Now, with SeatGeek, not so much. More than 50,000 five-star reviews in the App Store. SeatGeek is focused on making your experience as easy as possible. SeatGeek puts mil- pulls millions of tickets from all over the internet, rates each deal on a scale of 1 to 10, and displays them on an interactive seat map so it's easy and simple to find what you're looking for. Green dots are good deals. Red dots are overpriced. Look, sometimes it's worth getting an overpriced ticket if it's in the front row. Sometimes you can find a green dot in the front row. That's what I like to do. I like to go around because it's so easy. I got it on my phone. You just go in. You can put your zip code. You can put the band that you want to see. You can put whatever you want. However you want to search, it's easy to search. Every event you can imagine is on there. You click it. You go like, oh, what's available? It's all available. They'll hook it up for you. And you go, okay, well, actually, that's a good deal. Let me take advantage of that. Or a little expensive, but it's exactly where I want to sit. Ah, screw it. YOLO. You only live once. I'm going to get it. It's up to you. You create your own destiny, and SeatGeek makes it all possible, plus every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for your tickets with confidence. It's not going to be embarrassing for you, okay? And if you need more, my listeners, the Not Samsonites from Not Sam Wrestling, getting $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. That's right. All you need to do is use our promo code SAM, S-A-M. You can use that for concert tickets, sports, comedy, whatever you want. SeatGeek supports us. They have always supported Not Sam Wrestling, one of the most, if not the most, supportive sponsor in the history of this show. So go support them. Remember, that's promo code SAM for $10 off your first purchase from SeatGeek. Now back to The Miz. What what goes on in the private life of The Miz? Because, I mean, I was thinking about this, and like you just said, the first time your dad ever tells you he loves you is on national television in an arena full of people. You've got, you know, your, 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 your journey with your first child on a reality show. You've got your wife announcing... Not only that she's pregnant for the first time, but pregnant for the second time on television. Of course, you can go back as far as the real world to kind of see every dirty moment, every moment that uh, people want to kind of uh, hide. Dirty moment? I would say every moment that people want to hide. You know, you want to hide the stuff that happened early in your life, in your career, and just show everybody the best presentation of yourself. But I feel like you don't have that option because you've been living publicly kind of nonstop for the last 20 years. Yeah, I've always been an open book. That's the one thing about me, whether you love me or you hate me, uh, you know exactly what you're getting with me. And uh, uh, you can't deny my work ethic and how hard I work to entertain an audience and make everything, as, as I always say, must-see 
Uh, there's a reason I call myself the most must-see WWE superstar because everything I do, I put in with passion. Now, when I was on The Real World back in New York back in 2000, you know, being on a reality show was frowned upon. You know, you were the scum of the earth. And Hollywood did not want to take a look at you. Nobody wanted you. You were an outcast. So when I came to WWE, the same thing kind of thing happened. You know, I, uh, you know, I came here and nobody wanted me. Nobody wanted me there. I got kicked out of the locker room. Um, you know, I had to earn my way for everything that I've ever gotten. And now, you know, 13 years later, I'm still here. And a lot of the people that, you know, gave me a hard time are now gone. And, you know, now we have new WWE fans. And I think they're seeing the appreciation I have not only uh, for the work I put in, but for the love of the craft of being a WWE superstar. And now I think the audience is starting to applaud it and respect it. And I think the locker room is starting to love it and respect it. And, you know, it's, it's truly incredible to see this all happen, especially now with uh, Ms. and Mrs. I think that's another proponent that, that made people kind of see that. Honestly, I'm going to be very cocky right now, but I think people saw the cocky, arrogant, egotistical character of the Miz and said, that's what this guy is like in real life. But then you watch Miz and Mrs. and you see a completely different character. You see a family man. You see a first-time parent. You see, you know, a love uh, between my wife and myself. You get the inside scoop on everything. And a lot of people ask, why would you go back to doing, being, uh, you know, on a reality show? Like, you're so far above it. Cause, because everything's a reality show now. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you know, all social media. It's all one big, you know, reality show. And I look at it as a type of opportunity where I can executive produce, and I can create a show that I'm proud of and that I love and that you can really see the person that I truly am. And I think that's helping, you know, get audiences on my side. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. My wife and I uh, really put everything into it. I mean, this is my four-year consideration Emmy nomination uh, campaign, if you will. <laughs> so it'll, it'll start here with you, Good. Sam Roberts. Good. You're lucky. Good. Uh, so I hope I have your vote. You do. Even though you probably don't have a vote because... I don't know if you do. No, but, but uh, uh, hopefully you do. Do you enjoy the show? I tell you, I was about to say, like, the show is clearly a success f to me for a couple reasons. Number one, obviously, because you got a season two. That right there means you're successful. But I enjoy the show, but I should enjoy the show, right? I enjoy all the wrestling reality shows because I already enjoy you. Like, you know, I'm the, I'm the quintessential WWE fan that is just hungry for more content that is about Superstars. So I watch Ms. and Mrs. every week when it's on. But my gauge is watching my wife. My wife is not a wrestling fan. But she sits there and she was actually disappointed when she found out at the end of season one that it was the last episode of Ms. and Mrs. She actually liked the show as a show. And I said, well, I, that, that's my gauge. I say, if it gets a season two and if my wife likes it because my wife likes families, she likes kids, she likes people who are in love. She likes all that stuff. And so when sure. you can sell her, I feel like you've done it right. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that, that, that that's kind of like where we're at and what, we're, what we've been doing, you know. And it, it just goes to show, you know, you know, if you really put the work in, people will enjoy it. And, you, and people get to see, you know, that I'm pretty relatable, to be completely honest with you. I mean, I play video games. Right. You know, who doesn't play video games? You know? Right. I play we video the, games. Uh, WWE 2K19 million dollar challenge coming up. 
you know, uh, it's like the Friday before WrestleMania, right before NXT TakeOver, which I imagine you will be there. Of course. Uh, you know, and the, the, we have a contestant taking on AJ Styles uh, in a video game. And if that person beats AJ Styles, they win a million dollars. Which is no small I mean, feat. I mean, AJ Styles you know, has, AJ Styles travels with an Xbox. And I think last WrestleMania, I interviewed AJ. He actually had to have his hotel room moved because the internet connection wasn't good in the room that he was in, and he needed to plug in and play his Xbox. So he actually moved to a different yeah. hotel room so that he can get the right connection going on his Xbox. The guy plays video games all day, every day. And so to go up against him, you know, I imagine, you know, they're fans of WWE. But not only that, you're going up against him at Barclays Center. You're going up against him in front of millions watching at home on Fox Sports Digital, as well as WWE.com, as well as WWE Network, Caffeine TV. I mean, so you got millions of people watching. you got all that pressure. And not to mention, you know, you have coaches. You know, myself, Ember Moon, Kofi, and Big E, as well as Paige, are all coaches. And I plan on being the best coach because I know how to get into AJ Styles' head and make him lose focus. I can be very annoying whenever I want to. <laughs> you know that from firsthand experience. I do. So I, I can take a person out of their focus. So that's what I plan on doing and bringing my coaching in. You know, these contestants are competing, you know, to have the opportunity to go up against AJ Styles. I mean, that is a huge opportunity in itself. But to win a million dollars is a life-changing experience. And that's the kind of uh, things that, you know, WWE 2K and WWE in general do. You know, we, we, we basically make sure that, you know, we can change a person's life. And uh, it's pretty, pretty incredible. So... Obviously, things are, everybody is kind of, I feel like, whether they'll admit it or not, in some way, shape, or form on the Miz bandwagon now. The the things that you say about anything you put your mind to, you can get are done. You? To an extent. You know, to, 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 to an, an extent, huh? Yeah, to, to an extent, you know, but uh-huh. but here's, here's, here's what, I, what my question is, because I think in the last two or three years, wrestling fans have kind of come around to the point where they're booing you because you're a great bad guy, or now in your in your uh, rivalry with Shane McMahon, they're cheering you because they relate to you, and everything is kind of finally clicking in. And the reality show, like you just said, and you're you're going to be an amazing coach for WWE 2K and and all this stuff. But I think the first time I interviewed you was uh, right before WrestleMania uh, 27, when you were defending the WWE Championship against John Cena, and you then did not have the goodwill. This is the era that you were talking about a minute ago. You didn't have the faith of the WWE fans. You didn't have the goodwill. You didn't have this sort of momentum where everybody just felt like, okay, The Miz really is great. But you were saying to me the exact same things then that you are now. Like that that faith in yourself, I did, at least in my conversations with you, has never faltered. What has there Was there ever anything that you did in your WWE career that you felt like oh, this is, isn't working, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to get myself out of this. I think this might be it. It happens all the time. There, 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 there was times in my career where I was like, I don't even know why they would want me. You know, like, you know, you have those moments. Like, you know, as, as good as I am and as, as an amazing career as I have, you know, you have your ups and downs. I am not a John Cena. You know, I'm not a guy that is, you know, six foot, you know, two, 235, 45 pounds of pure solid muscle. You know, you know, I don't have, you know, the uh, I mean, John Cena works very, very hard to where he is. But I feel like, 
he's kind of one of those people that like Vince McMahon would look at and go, this guy's the guy. We're going to run with this guy. I'm not that guy. I'm the guy that has to work really hard in order to get to where I am. As much as we all hate Daniel Bryan, Daniel Bryan is one of those people that had to work very hard to get to where he is today. Um, you know, and I'm one of those people that have to work very hard to get to where I am. And I, I'm not saying that Cena didn't. I'm just saying I'm not a guy that is a chosen guy. That right. I'm, not, I'm not the quintessential guy that looks like what you would picture a WWE superstar to be. You know, I could be an everyman if you want. Yeah. So, I mean, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. But is it, so, so it's kind of one of those up and down, depending on the day. Today, I feel like I can conquer the world. But yesterday, I don't know what I'm doing here. Yeah, I mean, you know, exactly. Like, you're, you're only as good as your last time you ever, uh, you ever did something for WWE, I, I think. So if you have a bad promo or a bad match, uh, you know, you, everyone isn't, isn't like, like perfect. You know, people aren't perfect. There aren't, and it's a live show. You know, things go wrong. Things go awry. And you have to do your best ability to make it better. And sometimes when you have those moments, you know, the smallest moments that you don't even realize, like a fan would never realize, but I realize, and it sticks in my head and it aggravates me. And I literally sometimes go, I can't even believe I'm still here. Uh, but then other times I'm like, I know exactly why I'm here because I am one of the best at what I do. Like I am, I'm very good at being able to capture an audience, make a, make it a, a, a segment, you know, very entertaining, very, uh, as I say, musty, um, you know, and it's, it's just one of those things that like I can be given any type of, of story and really make it into something really special and motivating and amazing and I think we're all seeing that right now, uh, you know, in my quest to WrestleMania, in my road to WrestleMania, if you will. Yeah, how do you feel about this WrestleMania match as it compares to some of your other stuff? Because like we were just talking about, you know, for you to headline WrestleMania defending the WWE Championship early in your career kind of makes it difficult to, to bounce off of that for anything to equal that. But really, if you think about it, for me anyway, I feel like this match that you have with Shane McMahon at this year's WrestleMania for you, is a much bigger match even than the match that you had defending the title against John Cena because, number one, it's not about anybody else. It's not about John Cena. It's not about The Rock. It's not about anybody except the story that you have with Shane McMahon. Number two, you're going in a fan favorite and, you know, for the first time in your career, you being a fan favorite is working. Like, you have the support of the fans going in and I, I think... Weird. That, yeah, <laughs> very odd. <laughs> and I think people really yeah. care about this story, not to mention it's Shane McMahon. You know, that's going to be a match that people pay attention to. Yeah, it's definitely a match that people are going to pay attention to. Anytime you're in a, in, in a ring with a McMahon, yeah. uh, you know, you're, you're definitely have to step up your game and really uh, do everything. But, you know, the one thing that, that I heard that I, I, every single match I do is important. You know, you know, whether it's, you know, being the main event of WrestleMania or being the first first show, I look at them all, you know, the same. You know, there's always that pressure to do the best I possibly can. Even at a SmackDown at a live event, I put everything into everything I have, uh, you know, and it's the same nerves. It's the same nerves. It's the same pressure. Is it a bigger platform? Absolutely. 
but you know, you, you put the same work and the same effort into everything that you have. Now we're on the road to WrestleMania. You know, you look at, at that as your Super Bowl. You try to be as laser, laser focused as possible. But you know, I put the same work and ethic that I do in every match I ever done. So you can sit there and say that yes, this is the most important match of my life. But you know what? That after this match, you know that Monday Night Raw is going to be the next important match. That or that SmackDown, whatever you know, I'm on. You know, <laughs> I mean, at that point, SmackDown, wherever you end up, uh, yeah. <laughs> SmackDown is the next, the next, the next show that I will be on is the next important. You know, and yeah. then the next important, then the next important. It, it, it's a never. It's it, it's year round. It's nonstop. You you working on the level that you're working at right now? I would say absolutely your all time best, and you being at your peak, and you realizing that whatever you do, whether it's a good guy or a bad guy or whatever story you're telling, knowing the fans are behind you and that you have figured out how to bring the WWE universe along with you on whatever road you're going on. Do you now sit there and go, look, I know I had the opportunity early, but come on, let's, let's, let's talk WWE championship. I'm, I'm, I'm actually ready now. This is where we should be. I've been wanting to be in the WWE Championship picture, uh, you know, ever since Daniel Bryan won it. Yeah. Hell, I wanted to. I wanted to have it when AJ Styles had it, you know. And it's just one of those things that you know my time hasn't come. Like I'm not one of those guys that gets a million chances at the WWE Championship. You know, if you look Daniel Bryan, Daniel Bryan would be like, I want a chance, and then everyone would be like, Yes, 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 yes. So the audience would be like, Yes, we want we want him to have it, mm-hmm. you know. And then I would be looked over. Once again, you know, now, now it's Kofi's turn. You know, Kofi, people are looking at Kofi and going, we want Kofi, we want Kofi. You know, they've never said we want Miz, so guess who doesn't get a chance? Me. Yeah. You know, as much as I feel like I've deserved the chance and I should have a chance at the WWE Championship, you know, Kofi's had that opportunity. I haven't. Name the last time I had a WWE Championship match. I mean, I don't, I don't remember in the modern I mean, era when you have. I can't either. I don't. I, I cannot tell you the last time I had a WWE Championship match, and so it just goes to show. It's just they, they do really do listen to the audience. If the audience is chanting a name, then guess what? That person is probably going to get a, a, a title shot sooner or later. So you're indirectly telling the fans start chanting, "We want Miz." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever new chant you want to start, yeah, doing it now. Well, Miz. You're going to get the opportunity, I'm sure, but a much uh, a much closer uh, opportunity is happening very, very soon, and it's the uh, it's the two k million dollar challenge. You're a part of this. You're going to be one of the coaches. Somebody is going to be competing against uh, AJ Styles in a video game competition with a million dollars on the line, with the whole world watching, and you've got to make sure that it's your person. Is that right? That is one hundred percent certain. I am uh, a coach. And when you're a coach, you guide your, your, your team or your player as, 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 as hard. You drive them as hard as you possibly can to win. And it's, it's my job to give them all the tools. It's their job to perform and excel at their performance. It's their job to put in the work. I'm talking like Tom Brady, like putting in the work. I'm talking about looking at film. Uh, you, know, you know, AJ Styles all over, up, up, down, down. Look at what he does see how he is laser focused and, and all his movesets. You know, you need to study everything. So you have every nook and cranny ready to go. So when you go up against AJ Styles, you win that $1 million and you change your life 
forever. I love how seriously you're taking this, and this is this is probably why you win more often than you don't. Seriously, I know. Maybe if you took your job seriously, you'd be better at it. I'm going to work on it. All I can do is work on it. All I can do is try. I'm going to make the effort. Yeah, quit calling me forty. I'm thirty-eight. I didn't know it was an estimate, <laughs> and so now I know. I don't. I don't. Yeah, well, you estimate down, you jerk. You okay, estimate down. All right. Well, I was misinformed, I suppose, Ms. You don't look a day over 39, so you, you're, you, everything's going fine. Thank you very much for your time. You know, I still can probably play high school if I wanted to, or, you know, <laughs> in a movie I could play like a college kid. I still believe I can do that. That's, that's how young I look. Well, where there's you, a, on the other hand, yeah. you can play an old man if you want. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. We both go outside of our range then. Yes, 100%. Thank you, right, man. Here is Sam Roberts. Wild and wild thank yous to The Miz for being a part of today's last Not Sam Wrestling before WrestleMania. What an exciting time. That's going to be an exciting match. Pinfalls count anywhere. The Miz going on SmackDown last night or or the night before or whenever you're listening to this and announcing that he was uh, focused on his family and everything. I don't know. It sounds to me like The Miz needs to be a lot more focused on uh, uh, wrestling than on his family. But uh, what do I know, right? What do I know? I'm just a guy with a job and a family. Uh, I wanted to tell you guys that there have been um, uh, a couple of people talking about um, this Vice series that's coming out. It's called Dark Side of the Ring. It's a series of documentaries uh, that Vice is releasing. And uh, it's, it's, they're going to do it on their TV channel. I think it airs once a week. I think the premiere is next week. Uh, but they're going over. Uh, it's an hour-long show each episode. And they do an episode on Bruiser Brody and the killing of Bruiser or the death of Bruiser Brody. They do an episode on the relationship of Macho Man and uh, Miss Elizabeth. They do a Montreal Screwjob episode. They do an episode on the Von Erics. They've got a whole bunch that they're doing for this season one. And when I tell you go out of your way to check it out, I'm not exaggerating. This isn't an advertisement or anything like that. I got the chance to watch the Bruiser Brody and the Von Erich episodes. Incredible. Incredible. They're the stories told the way you'd want to hear them, I think. I, I I was wrapped in, man. Sometimes, you know, people send me their shows, and I'll watch clips, or I'll watch, you know, little bits and just kind of get a gist. But these shows, I watched the entire... Not only did I watch the entire episodes, but I had the guy uh, send me over the entire season. So uh, I think next week on the podcast, we might talk to one of the producers on the show um, about the making of it and everything and all the stories that were told, just because it really is... It's a great show. And when I heard it was called... Dark Side of the Ring, I thought it was going to be another one of these shows where they just talk about how awful and scary wrestling is and, you know, it's so dangerous and you thought it was all fun and games, but really people are dying. But it's not that. They're actually going over specific stories that are just interesting. Not nice stories, dark stories, but when you watch it, you don't get that uh, icky feeling of this is speaking for the entire industry. You get that feeling of, wow, this is a really interesting story that took place in the industry that I'm supporting. So, uh, yeah, I mean, at least those first two episodes that I watched are. I'll watch the rest of them and let you know what I think. But as of right now, big fan. Big, big fan. All right, enough is enough. Let's get into it. We've got a lot to talk about uh, on the state of wrestling this week. Oh, and we're not going to get a chance to talk about it on the state of wrestling, but Luke Harper's tweet was just great. Luke Harper is going to be wrestling at Access this weekend. Apparently he's been healthy and ready to go since like February and the WWE just hasn't had anything for him. You know, by February, Rowan 
was already, you know, part of the Daniel Bryan package, the new Daniel Bryan package. So WWE just didn't have anything for Luke Harper. Um, so he's kind of back to square one, and he's wrestling at uh, Access this weekend. Man, if you guys are going to Access, go out and support this guy. Because he's, he's going with one thing in mind, and that's to say that, look, you have to make the most of the opportunities that you're presented with. The opportunity I'm presented with is being nowhere near the WrestleMania main card, but I've got this match on Access with Donovan Dijak. I'm going to make it count. I'm going to make it be the most important thing that I can make it be that weekend. So go out there, support him, track the match down once it's uploaded onto the internet and whatnot, and uh, show your support for that guy because he's one of the good ones, okay? I love it. I love it. I love WrestleMania weekend. Let's celebrate it. Let's get into it. State of wrestling time. Real, real quick. I promise I'm getting there. Before we start the state of wrestling, let's talk about the state of you. Let's talk about the state of you and the state of your relationship that you're in or maybe not in right now. Just your um, intimate ability, shall we say. Look, I'll talk to you about mine, okay? Let me level with you. There's a lot of wrestling going on right now, okay? We're obsessed with it. You're like me. That's the whole reason we're listening to this podcast, okay? You go and you're, you're watching wrestling. Every time my wife comes home, I got wrestling on the TV. My wife wakes up. I'm watching wrestling. She falls asleep at night. She wakes up. I'm still watching wrestling. It's unbelievable. It's too much, but she puts up with it. You know why? I make sure that I'm always ready. You know how I do that? Same way you can. Our friends over at Blue Chew. Wait till you hear about this. It'll bring you back to the days you were always ready to go. And, you know, if you never had those days, maybe it'll help create some new ones. Did you ever think about that? You can increase your performance and get the extra confidence in bed with BlueChew.com. That's what it's all about. It's that confidence. Once you get that confidence, my God, will you be a Viking. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. It's amazing. And this isn't just for guys who can't perform. I'm not saying I can't perform. It's for guys like me who want extra function to enhance the performance. You want to remind the person that you're with, it's not just wrestling I care about, it's you too. And that's where Blue Chew comes in. Most guys talk a good game, but if you're one and done, Blue Chew can even help your follow through for round two. I'm not even going to address that. I think you know what I'm talking about when I say that, okay? Blue Chew is prescribed online. Ship straight to your door in a discreet package, okay? There's no messing with a doctor. If you're a little bashful about this, if you're embarrassed, if you're even listening to this going, Sam, it really makes me uncomfortable that you even talk about it, don't worry about it, okay? You send a tweet to me saying, oh, don't talk about that stuff, Sam, but just trust me when I tell you. Go to bluechew.com. There's no in-person doctor visit. There's no waiting in the pharmacy. There's no awkwardness. It's made in the USA. It prepares and it ships direct. It's cheaper than a pharmacy. And you can get your first shipment free. Yeah, first shipment is free with our special promo code, Roberts. All you have to do is pay $5 shipping. Look, just try it for fun if you want to. Five bucks for shipping. It's on the house. I hooked it up. Promo code Roberts. That's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, BlueChew.com, promo code Roberts. Try it for free. You won't regret it. Neither will the person or people, quite frankly, in your life. Now let's get to the state of wrestling. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. 
Here we are. Welcome to the State of Wrestling, everybody. Welcome, welcome to the State of Wrestling. Back just in time, the last State of Wrestling, before WrestleMania goes down. The 35th WrestleMania happening this Sunday at MetLife Stadium, and I couldn't be more excited. Of course, we will absolutely get into WrestleMania 35 uh, here on the State of Wrestling Spoiler alert, that may be story number one. I know some of you guys are thinking, what? So much other stuff. Yeah, WrestleMania is probably going to be story number one. And another spoiler alert, next week, whatever happens at WrestleMania, it might also be story number one. But before we get to next week, let's get to this week. We're going over the top five stories of the week in this world of wrestling, uh, according to yours truly, the last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts. Uh, And we'll start with number five, which is actually not a WWE story. It broke uh, just this week. Good old JR Jim Ross, announcer for AEW. AEW and uh, the, what's it called, uh, uh, Double or Nothing. They've announced that Jim Ross uh, will be their play-by-play guy. He will have a behind-the-scenes role. It was called uh, one of the most, or it was called the most lucrative contract in the history of wrestling commentary. I don't know if in the wrestling business, it's the greatest idea in the world to start to develop a reputation for giving out the best contracts. Everywhere Chris Jericho goes, he says that, you know, AEW uh, is paying him so well. Uh, AEW is is confessing about how much they're paying people. And JR press release says he's got the most lucrative contract in the history of commentary. Wrestlers love finding spots where they can make some money. Just be careful. That's all I'm saying. Uh, JR is, uh, he's going to be there for... Um, Double or nothing. And look, you want to get attention? You want to get attention from the mainstream as well as the wrestling world? It's hard to go wrong by bringing on, arguably, and it's not even a strong argument against it. I would say the most famous, the most well-known, arguably the best wrestling play-by-play guy of all time, good old J.R. Jim Ross. You know, that is that is the guy that's going to bring you notoriety. When a meme comes out um, and it requires some wrestling commentary to be put behind it for ultimate comedic effect, good old J.R. is the voice that is used on those memes. That's because he goes beyond wrestling because the era that he got famous in, the Attitude Era, went beyond wrestling. I mean, the Attitude Era of WWE was... South Park level big. You know, it wasn't just for wrestling fans at that point. Uh, you know, I and the, the questions start to arise, and JR uh, addressed this a little bit. He said one of the things motivating him was all the people on social media saying he didn't have it anymore. He's a little bit past his prime that he doesn't, he doesn't agree with that. He believes he has lots to add uh, to wrestling. And look, you know, I think that, I think that he's right. It's going to be tough to say that people are not going to be happy to hear JR's voice on this wrestling product. I think what's important is a guy like Excalibur, who's also on the broadcast team, who's uh, known as the voice of PWG, he's going to be the guy that has to help JR enter in to 2019 and beyond. You know, I think that part of it has to be that it can't sound like JR from WWE. The same way you got Justin Roberts doing the ring announcing. You got JR on commentary. The last thing you want is for the product to sound, look, or feel like WWE. So I think that's what's going to be interesting about JR's role in AEW. 
is not so much the, like, oh, does he still have it anymore? Because at the end of the day, he's still JR. But is he going to be able to take JR and not be a nostalgia act and be more of a, here's what JR sounds like in 2019. If anybody can pull it off, it's him. I'm just interesting to, interested to see how it goes. Story number four this week uh, on the state of wrestling has to do with a, a local legend. In the world of wrestling. So, uh, you know, this story has been around the internet for years and years and years and years. They say in uh, 1988, 1989, the very late 80s, the end of the 80s, there was a Canadian uh, powerlifter and uh, acrobat named Tom McGee, Tommy McGee. And there's a couple WWE matches of his on YouTube. You can find them. But uh, he's this big six foot five dude. Totally jacked up, uh, looked like a million bucks, long curly hair, and the legend always was that the powers that be at WWE at the time looked at this guy and said, he's our next Hogan. He's our next star. When it's time for Hogan to say goodbye, when it's time for him to say goodnight, Tom McGee is going to be the guy. And, you know, Tom McGee isn't the first person they've had that thought over. Ultimate Warrior was that guy for a period of time. Lex Luger was that guy for a period of time. You know... You have to understand that for WWE at that time, it wasn't just about building the next star. It was building the next Hogan. WWE had gone unproven in terms of having the number one guy in the company be somebody who did not fit the mold of Hulk Hogan. It had never happened. Hulk Hogan created that spot. He was the first, as far as WWE goes, guy that the company was centered around. You know, I don't think anybody could have predicted that Bret Hart would be the next Hogan because he was the polar opposite of Hulk Hogan or Shawn Michaels would be the next Hogan. That's one of the reasons why I, I talk about not being the biggest fan in the world of Becky Lynch being talked about like, you know, oh, she's the next Stone Cold. Bret Hart wasn't the next Hogan. Stone Cold wasn't the next Bret Hart. The Rock wasn't the next Stone Cold. The Like all these guys, when you look over... The history of top guys, the guys that younger people are compared to, there isn't anyone before them. It's not like there's this chain of Stone Coals where before Stone Cold, Stone Cold was the next this guy, and then there'll be a third. The generation starts with the guy, right? There's really never, never been anybody in the WWE who's been top of the game and you look at it and say, well, clearly that's just the new generation's version of XYZ. The closest comparison you could draw is saying John Cena was that generation's Hulkamania. You could maybe say that just because John Cena was a good guy, but really there aren't that many parallels between Hulk Hogan and John Cena other than they were both on top of the WWE. So, But before there was a guy after Hulk Hogan... All the WWE could do is say, we need to find the next Hogan. And Tom McGee was the guy. Um, just by looks alone, they started having him go out and they had him uh, wrestle a, a match that was taped but never televised. It was a match against Bret the Hitman Hart. And legend has it that the match went so well that they said, yeah, that's when they realized this is the guy. What they didn't realize was Bret Hart was the one that was really responsible for everything good in that match. Every match that Tom McGee had that wasn't with Bret Hart made the world or, or made the WWE say, this is not our guy at all. 
That's crazy. That can't happen. Now, this 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 Tom McGee Bret Hart match has been written about, has been read about, has been talked about, has been listened about. But nobody's ever actually seen the match. You know, it was like I said, it happened at a TV taping. So on some level it was taped. But WWE has never said anything about having the tape. It's never been on the WWE Network. It's never been released on a DVD or a Hidden Gems or anything like that. So people kind of just figured it was just gone and would just live forever as folklore. Until, apparently, Bret Hart sent a woman a giant container of VHS tapes that were all of his old matches, asking her to digitize them so that he could keep his collection. And what this woman found when she was going through the box was a VHS tape that said, Bret Hart versus Tom McGee. She posted stills this week. The match exists. The tape of the match exists. It is still to be determined when, if, and how we're actually going to see the match. But we are living on the precipice of history. One of the last few unseen gems of 80s wrestling, one of the last bits of folklore that all we have is the legend of is about to be exposed and we're about to see the reality of it. Now, this match probably fairly unremarkable without the backstory. It's just Bret Hart having a good match with a guy that never made it. But when you know the backstory, it becomes this whole other thing. We will be watching this closely because now I've become just like everybody else. Over the weekend, I went into a Tom McGee YouTube loop I was looking. I was listening to people's stories of Tom McGee. I was watching Tom McGee matches with other people that are on YouTube. Um, I'm obsessed, and I can't wait to see when and if this match is finally released. Okay, those are our two top stories. I mean, our our, our five and four stories. Let's spend the final three breaking down the weekend. It's WrestleMania weekend. It's finally here. I'm like so beyond excited about the whole thing. I can't wait. Um, Check out kickoff shows to see the last professional broadcaster. See what WWE is doing digitally. I'll be all over the place this weekend. This is like the moment right now as I record this podcast. I'm still uh, in Westchester in the Not Sam studio. uh, But within less than 24 hours, I'll be in Brooklyn and I'll be staying there until I'm completely WrestleMania'd out. I can't wait. I'm not even intimidated by the fact that we may be looking at a a WrestleMania that's between seven and eight hours long. We got 15 matches announced for WrestleMania so far. Plus rumors of other stuff happening, and we'll get into all of it. But it's just incredible. It's always an exciting weekend, and I always love it so much. Let's start with... uh, We'll go in, uh, we're going to flip them around a little bit. Of course, you got Friday NXT, Saturday Hall of Fame, Sunday WrestleMania. Let's start with Saturday. Let's start with the Hall of Fame. Let's start with what your Hall of Fame lineup looks like this year. It's, it's, it's official. It's already been announced. Now, no inductors have been announced at all. There's rumors floating around about who could be doing what. But if you listen to X-Pac uh, a few weeks ago on this podcast... He made reference to uh, the idea of there not being inductors and the uh, time constraints being put on this show. We'll see if they keep the show uh, uh, to a, a, a time limit. I, I'm bringing my uh, seven-month pregnant wife with me to the show, and she's very, very nervous that she's going to be sitting there 
extremely pregnant and stuck in a five-hour show. So we'll see. We'll see. I think that I think that they finally learned their lesson because the last thing you want is people leaving a Hall of Fame ceremony and saying, uh, oh, the headline is how long it was. No, you want people talking about the actual people that are inducted into the Hall of Fame, and you certainly don't want to get to the end of the night and have the headline act sitting around and, and having nobody in the audience for them. So I think the WWE will make uh, will take measures to make sure that doesn't happen again. Of course, you've got the ceremony itself, the red carpet before the ceremony, an hour before the show uh, on the WWE Network. Maria Menounos hosting it, which it'll be great to see her again. It's always fun to have legitimate wrestling fans that are also real-life Hollywood people. There's not that many, especially out of the closet, so it's really cool to see that. Um... Then you've got the show, which we found out if you're listening to the uh, the the uh, hype for it on Raw and SmackDown, Renee Young and Corey Graves hosting the Hall of Fame this year, which I'm excited about. I think it injects uh, uh, some flavor of today into ce- the celebration of yesterday as far as the Hall of Fame goes. Uh, we're looking at Brutus Beefcake going into the Hall of Fame, which kind of a shock. Announced this week, Brutus Beefcake going into the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, I mean, I, I there's there's a place for everybody in the Hall of Fame. There's, I, I guess, there's a place for everybody. You sit there and you go, uh, well, why didn't this guy get in? Why didn't that guy get in? And you're right, but you can't put all the main event guys in. It's like a, any wrestling show. You know, I, you got to put guys on every level of the card. They're all going into the Hall of Fame. And, you know... When you think about the 80s, Brutus Beefcake does come up a lot. He's one of those characters that people remember from the 80s. Now, I'm personally hoping that he goes in all painted up, dressed up as the Zodiac. Maybe that's because I want Mattel to put out a Zodiac figure. But I think he should uh, go in as the Zodiac. And if not the Zodiac, go in as the Booty Man. Because imagine if Mr. Ass and the Booty Man go into the Hall of Fame in the same year. The performers that portrayed those characters are going into the Hall of Fame in the same year. You have the opportunity to do something really special. Then you go to WrestleMania. You get to maybe the Fatal 4-Way SmackDown tag match. Maybe you pull out the bar and you pull out the the glute connection. Mr. Ass and the Booty Man, they come out and they they have a Hardy Boys-like reaction. I think it may be the hottest thing in wrestling. So Brutus Beefcake going in. Tori Wilson... Going into the Hall of Fame, of course, uh, Tori, uh, super, super big uh, for her era in the women's division. Uh, ended up being one of the most successful transfers to go from WCW to WWE for sure. You know, we think about Tori Wilson now, and we don't think of her as a WWE star. We think of her as a WWE superstar, but she did, she was one of the transplants. Her and Stacey Keebler were the two. Probably most significant, I want to say, unless I'm forgetting anybody, I don't mean to insult anybody, probably the two most significant female transplants to come over from WCW after the purchase of that company. So Tori Wilson will be in the house. Honky Tonk Man going in. Honky Tonk Man absolutely deserves to go in. You're talking about the greatest intercontinental champion of all time, 454-day reign as intercontinental champion. You're talking about a guy who has been uh, on and off with WWE over the years. One of those guys that we maybe never thought would go in is officially going in, uh, and it's a big deal. And, you know, if you're going to give 
Brutus Beefcake credit for people remembering him, you got to give the Honky Tonk Man credit. Nobody forgets Honky. Nobody. Uh, then you got your teams going in. And this is all. All the teams going in are featuring at least one person who's getting double ringed. We have three double ring people going into the Hall of Fame this year, joining the class that right now is only Ric Flair. You got the Harlem Heat going in. Booker T collecting that second ring to go in with his brother Stevie Ray. Can't argue that. Love the Harlem Heat. The Hart Foundation going in. Bret Hart collecting that ring. Uh, And I think that this is, if nothing else, this is the way to induct Jim the Anvil Neidhart. I think that Jim the Anvil Neidhart is remembered most fondly and did his best work in in the tag team with Bret the Hitman Hart as the Hart Foundation. Um, And I think it'll give us an opportunity to not only see potentially Natty, uh, Natalia, honoring her dad, but it'll also give us the opportunity to hopefully see Bret Hart again uh, honoring that tag team. I think about the Hart Foundation sometimes. For me, and people go, I wish that Jimmy Hart would have been in there with them. And I would have had no problem with that because I absolutely associate Jimmy Hart with the Hart Foundation. But for me, the Hart Foundation was actually their best. uh, I prefer them without Jimmy Hart. And that has nothing to do with Jimmy Hart. It's just the match that I always come back to. And this is the match that, to me, started the run of Bret Hart being Mr. SummerSlam for a period of time. Think about the SummerSlam run that Bret Hart had. Started 1990. I would say it went up to... See, I don't remember if he even had a SummerSlam 95 match. But 94, 90 to 94, it was all Bret Hart. 94, Bret Hart versus Owen in a steel cage, main event, one of the great cage matches to take place in that blue cage. 93, you had Bret Hart versus Doink the Clown, who was subbing in for Jerry Lawler that then became Jerry Lawler versus Bret Hart. Not one of like the classic matches of all time, but still a really good match. If you go back and watch, Bret Hart versus Doink, had a, they, it was a tremendous match, and it was Matt Bourne as Doink. It was the real Doink. So it was that go back and watch that if you think that I'm full of it. SummerSlam 92. You had Bret Hart versus the British Bulldog, one of the classic matches of all time. SummerSlam 91, you had Bret Hart versus Mr. Perfect, oh, one of the classic matches of all time. And then you get to SummerSlam 90, which is the match that I think of first when I think of the Hart Foundation. And that's the Hart Foundation versus Demolition, tag team championships on the line, two out of three falls. That is my favorite Heart Foundation tag match, and and that is where I think of them. And uh, I don't know. I hope that they talk about that match. I just love that match. I love that match so much. It was one of my first favorite matches as a kid when I got the SummerSlam 90 tape and just played it over and over and over again. That was the match that I always came back to. Loved it. And, of course, your headline act going into the Hall of Fame, D, Generation X, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, China, Billy Gunn, Road Dog, and X-Pac. You got Shawn Michaels going in with the second ring. We talked to X-Pac. Triple H definitely deserves to go in like a thousand times over uh, without DX. But X-Pac thinks that it'll never happen the same way Vince McMahon will never go into the Hall of Fame, at least while he's alive. That's what X-Pac thinks. Um, and I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree. You know, I think that there is a spot. The same way there is a spot for, and I don't want to put it like, you know, the, the, the there is a spot for the one, two, three kid in the Hall of Fame. A hundred percent. There is a spot for the one, two, three kids, separate from DX, separate from X Pac. 
If you're talking about 90, that 93, it was a pivotal time in WWE, but one of the first big things to happen on Monday Night Raw, one of the things that cemented that show as a must-watch show was the 1-2-3-Kid beating Razor Ramon, and the story that went that was told between Razor Ramon and 1-2-3-Kid, uh, I mean, it, it, it hooked everybody. Everybody was into it. Uh, it ushered in cruiserweights, in my opinion, into the WWE. It, they did not have that kind of spotlight on them, at least in America, but in any giant company like WWE. Guys that were the size of X-Pac that were doing the type of moves that X-Pac was doing as the 1-2-3-Kid simply were not being highlighted. So I do think that the 1-2-3-Kid actually does deserve at some point a spot in the Hall of Fame as well. Will he ever get it? I don't know. Because I don't know if you know they want to throw X-Pac into the two-ring club. I think he deserves it. I'm just thinking about whether WWE would want to do it or not. Um, but I do think the 1-2-3-Kid deserves to be in. Okay, so that's the Hall of Fame. Um, I think it's going to be a real fun night. You got a lot of, you got a lot of, I'm, I'm interested to see what the Bruce the Barber Beef, Bruce the Barber Beefcake and Honky Tonk Man, I'm probably the most curious about in terms of just being fascinated by the whole thing. Who knows what they're going to say when they have a live mic in front of their faces. I think Harlem Heat is going to be entertaining. I think it's going to be amazing to see Bret Hart again. And the DX thing, I think, is going to be an induction that we never forget. Never forget. Um, so I'm excited. Let's move on to story number two. And that is NXT TakeOver New York. NXT TakeOver New York. Dude, all you have to do is look at it on paper. And you sit there and you go, they're going to continue this trend. NXT TakeOvers are going to continue to be, I, I, I think that, that they are so consistently great that they're almost being taken for granted at this point. Like, we almost just assume, oh, yeah, every quarter or so, NXT puts on, like, the best show in wrestling. And then we move on. Nobody really, I don't think, shines enough of a light on the fact that NXT TakeOvers are, in my opinion, consistently the best shows in wrestling. Like, anywhere. You know, you tell New Japan is amazing, and 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 this Ring of Honor show or this WWE pay per view, whatever. If you want a, a consistently great wrestling and great storytelling and great everything, NXT Takeover is it every time. And talk about being on the cutting edge. Billie Eilish is like the the, the biggest singer in the world, and she's she's on the commercials for NXT. It's great. I hope she's going to be there. I'm a big Billie Eilish fan. Uh, let's go over what the card is. All championship matches. Every title is on the line. The Women's Championship, the NXT Championship, the North American Championship, the UK Championship, even the Tag Team Championship. The War Raiders are defending against Aleister Black and Ricochet. The NXT Tag Team Championship is on the line. Aleister Black and Ricochet, uh, they won the Dusty Classic. They won the Cup. And now they go forward. This is a team that, uh, you know, I think even a month or two ago, maybe two, people would have said doesn't really make sense to me. But they've turned into something amazing. I mean, I love these guys as a team. That said, they've got, now they're on Raw Wrestling for the Raw Tag Team titles. Or maybe it was just a match with the champions. But I think it was for the tag titles. I don't know if it was for the titles or not. But it was, they had a match with the Raw Tag Team champions on Raw. They're going to take over. That was Monday. Saturday, they go for to take over for a shot at the NXT tag titles. Sunday, they go to WrestleMania. I'm sorry, Friday. Sunday, they go to WrestleMania for a shot at the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. 
Um, you know, I think just being on the show is good for him, but I, I think uh, I think that we see a weekend of losses for Alistair Black and Ricochet. I mean, they got so much momentum going into this. I think that this weekend is the weekend that they crash back down to reality and realize they're trying to get everything, and when you try to get everything, a lot of times you end up with nothing. That may be what happens to Alistair Black and Ricochet. That's what I would think. You've got the UK Championship on the line, Pete Dunn versus Walter. To me, probably the most credible challenge to the UK Championship since we kind of got done with the Tyler Bate-Pete Dunn matches. I don't think that there's been a credible... or a, a, I don't think that there's been a challenger for the UK NXT... I don't know if it... I would just say the UK Championship. I don't think that there's been a credible challenger for the UK Championship since Tyler Bate. Pete Dunne has had the title for a very long time, but who's been there going, I really think he's going to be the guy. Walter is the first guy that has captured people's imagination. Walter is the first guy that people are going into this, not just saying like, oh, this is going to be a great match to watch, but going, Walter might win the title tonight. And I think that that's necessary for the UK championship. I think that we have to have... Uh, matches like that and people like that and moments like that just to keep it exciting. Um, will Pete Dunne be able to to hold it? I, I think that we need to see. I think that Walter should win the UK championship and then maybe we see a rematch at a UK takeover show. You know, I think that this match is all about the exhibition of showing uh, the best of the best of what's happening on NXT UK. And if Walter wins the UK championship, finally, after all this time taking the title off of Pete Dunne, then I think you're left with a scenario where you're like, I got to see what's going on on NXT UK. I got to see where this goes now. Uh, you got Shayna Baszler, Io Shirai, Bianca Belair, and Kaidi Sane. Fatal four-way for the NXT Women's Championship. I still think this one's all Shayna Baszler, but I think Io Shirai is probably the best competition she has on the NXT roster right now. So I'm happy to see her in this match. And I think that this is a match. We know what Bianca Belair brings to the table. I've talked about it enough. We know what Kaidi Sane brings to the table, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I think this is the match where Io Shirai really shines. This is the match where Io Shirai is on that platform. We've seen Kaidi Sane at takeovers. We've seen her at Evolution. This is the match where Io Shirai gets a moment in the spotlight to show the world what she can do. And I think she's going to show him that. I don't think she's going to win the title, but I think she's going to show the world what she can do. You got the North American Championship, Velveteen Dream versus Matt Riddle. If anybody in NXT can hand Matt Riddle his first defeat, it's the Velveteen Dream. No question in my mind. I, Matt Riddle has gotten a lot of opportunity. You look at the career track of Velveteen Dream and... You know, he's put out some of the best matches on takeovers, but I don't know about that win-loss record. He has had to claw and scratch to get to the opportunity that he's in. It hasn't been enough that the fans love him. He's had to prove himself and prove himself and prove himself. He finally gets the opportunity. He finally gets the North American Championship. I don't see him losing it. And then you got the big main event. I love that it's two out of three falls. For the vacant NXT championship, Johnny Gargano versus Adam Cole. Look, I think Johnny Gargano is in an interesting space right now. As far as the Johnny Gargano character goes, I don't think Johnny really knows who he is. Johnny is not on stable footing. Adam Cole has been preparing for this moment since before he was in NXT. This is Adam Cole's time to shine, and this is the same Adam Cole that we've seen week in, week out. 
except he's been hiding his tricks up his sleeve. Johnny Gargano, on the other hand, has probably changed strategies in terms of winning matches and in terms of his career 15 times in the last year or so. So, you know, I think that uh, I'm hoping that we see Adam Cole walk out NXT champion. You know, I think it would be heartbreaking for Johnny Gargano, but I think we could use a little more Johnny Gargano heartbreak. And I think if anybody is going to hand Johnny Gargano heartbreak and it's not Tommaso Ciampa, Adam Cole is your guy to do it. This is your opportunity. Tommaso Ciampa is not on the active roster anymore. Tommaso Ciampa is, is not on the NXT active roster. That leaves an opening, and that opening should be filled by the Undisputed Era. Now is the time where you can finally show the Undisputed Era to be that unstoppable team that we've wanted them to be this whole time. Will it happen? I don't know. But that's what I got to say about that. Either way, regardless of what the results are, it's going to be an incredible show. You know, I, I, I could easily see it being one of, if not the best takeovers ever, but it'll certainly, I, I don't see how any takeover this year is going to top this one. Just look at the lineup. It's incredible. Incredible. Thank you, Triple H. Speaking of Triple H, let's move on to the number one story of the week, WrestleMania. Now, we went through most of the matches last week with Katie Linendahl. We don't have to rehash every single match, but uh, we did learn some things this week. First of all, a 15th match was added to the show, and that is the Usos defending the SmackDown Tag Team Championships at the order of Alexa Bliss. They're defending their championship against Ricochet and Aleister Black, The Bar, and Shinsuke Nakamura and Rusev. Look, I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. The Usos are the best tag team in the last decade. I think that WrestleMania is the night that the Usos show dominance over every team. Stack the odds against them and show the world that the Usos are an unstoppable duo. We also uh, we learned that the two battle royals, once again this year, will go down on the kickoff show. Now, that's not shocking. I believed I talked about it on the podcast last week. Uh, my guess was that they would at least put the Braun Strowman battle royal on the kickoff show. And the reason for that is the second hour of the kickoff show, which starts at 6 p.m. Eastern, is going to be on the USA Network, right? So you've now got the second hour of the kickoff show on the WWE Network, on the USA Network, on all forms of WWE's social media, on the WWE's YouTube channel. There's no doubt that in terms of live viewers, there will be more eyes on the second hour of the kickoff show than any hour of WrestleMania that happens uh, on Sunday night. So that's why I figured they would want to show the world, especially because, you know, the stuff going on with Michael Che and Colin Jost, it's a nice little boost for publicity, but it's not exactly uh, essential to any storyline. So if you're going to show the world Michael Che and Colin Jost doing something ridiculous, same way they did when, when Gronk showed his face in the, in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal uh, in Orlando at WrestleMania, you put it on the pre-show so you can get all the eyes on it. Plus, that way it's happening early. By 7 p.m., 8 p.m., newspapers are already starting to report. News websites are already starting to report whatever happens with Michael Che and Colin Jost. People go, oh, WrestleMania's on tonight. Maybe you get some network subs. Who knows? I think it's a smart move, though. I think that's exactly where it should be. And as far as the women's battle royal goes, you know, it's not shocking that either battle royal is on this thing. I think that Asuka's got to win the women's battle royal, though. It was nice that they gave her her moment on SmackDown this week. But as I told Katie Linendahl last week, the ups and downs, it gets to be too much at a certain time. 
Speaking of ups and downs, one guy that's having ups and downs, Rey Mysterio, apparently injured his ankle on Raw in his match against Baron Corbin. By the way, let me talk about that. You know, you talk about the go-home episode of Raw. Some people were uh, complaining. Now, I don't know about complaining, but certainly criticizing that on the go-home episode of Monday Night Raw, before WrestleMania 35, you ended with Kurt Angle putting Baron Corbin in an ankle lock. And while Kurt Angle having his last match is a big deal at WrestleMania, it's not exactly a main event. You know, I think that that's fair to say. But I think that that has everything to do with the fact that, again, WWE is counting eyes. I think WWE realized that maybe the biggest segment of the night should be done at the end of the 10 o'clock hour instead of at the end of the 11 o'clock. I mean, at the end of the 10 o'clock hour, at the end of the 9 o'clock hour instead of at the end of the 10 o'clock hour. You know, how many eyes are watching at 11 versus how many eyes are watching at 10? And I think you also had the idea of hoping that people would tune in. You want to do the segment where Ronda and Charlotte and Becky, which was a tremendous segment. I think you want to do that segment midway through the show, mainly because you want people wondering as the show goes on, what's going on with them? Are we going to see them and tweeting and typing and whatnot? So I get why that happened, but I get why people, you know, on a surface level would go, how is that the last segment before WrestleMania? Because if you're just saying... Let's put our best segment on as the last segment before WrestleMania. It's Baron Corbin and Kurt Angle. Yeah, no, that doesn't make any sense. But if you, th- I mean, if you think to yourself, the WWE knows what they're doing, right? They're opening with Seth and Brock, and they're putting the women main event right at the top of the ten o'clock hour, end of the nine o'clock hour. I think that things are being done on purpose. So, in that last segment of Raw. Uh, Rey Mysterio apparently uh, hurt himself, uh, hurt his ankle, or Baron Corbin hurt it. I don't know exactly what happened. But they said coming out, I would imagine if you watch the end of that match, um, when Rey Mysterio escapes Baron Corbin, he moves to to hit the ropes, and he hits that second rope as he's bent down a little bit, and he kind of tweaks himself there. I don't know if that's the moment that he hurt his ankle. I don't know if his ankle just kind of gave out in that moment, but... um, that did strike me as I was watching, and then for him to say, hey, I have an ankle injury, I go, oh, I know, I saw, I saw something there, I bet that's related. Uh, you know, I hope Ray's okay. If not, if Ray is not able to compete at WrestleMania, I think that the only logical thing to do, even though it's bad guy versus bad guy, put Andrade. You know, actually, I changed my mind. If Ray Mysterio is hurt, and he's not able to compete at WrestleMania for the United States title. I think Samoa Joe comes out there and he says, uh, you know, I don't have an opponent. And here comes Mustafa Ali. I think that Mustafa Ali should take advantage of an injured Rey Mysterio to make his mark on WrestleMania the same way Kofi Kingston took advantage of an injured Mustafa Ali to get to WrestleMania. And I don't even mean take advantage in a negative way. But I think that, you know, you tell the story of Mustafa Ali learning that lesson, watching Kofi Kingston enter into the WWE Championship match of WrestleMania because he had an opportunity that was based on an injury that Ali suffered. So Ali looks at this guy go down with an injury. He's going to jump in and grab that same opportunity. That's what I would do if Ray was not able to compete um, at WrestleMania. Now... There are pretty heavy rumors that John Cena is going to do something, whether it be a match, whatever. Uh, Elias 
was on uh, my Sirius XM radio show, and John Cena was his pick. He said if he had a match at WrestleMania, he would love it to be with John Cena or The Undertaker, which, you know, I think every single person on the roster would say, yeah, hopefully uh, John Cena or The Undertaker, that would be the opponent that I want. But um, I don't know. I guess it, on a level, it would make sense if... John Cena came out and had a match with Elias because they had their interaction last year at WrestleMania. So it could be a continuation of that, but I almost want to say that we saw it last year. Let's have John Cena do something else, you know, if he's going to do anything. Honestly, at this point, if I were WWE, I would seriously consider not having John Cena there. And that's not because John Cena wouldn't add a tremendous amount. It's because, you know, what if we were able to pull this off without John Cena? What if we could prove that with no Undertaker and no John Cena, we could do it? I think either way, it would be cool. You know, either way, it would be cool. I think it'd be even better. John Cena comes out, calls out the Undertaker, and we we have a proper Undertaker-John Cena match where it's a real match. How amazing would that be? Undertaker versus John Cena as a surprise, just unannounced? It'd be incredible. Incredible. I would pick either of those two things. You know, Either one. But either way, I think it's going to be tremendous. Um, in terms of stealing the show, for, I thought AJ and Randy Orton did a, a fantastic job on on, on their uh, storytelling, on their uh, Kevin Owens show appearance uh, on SmackDown. I care very deeply about this match, but I absolutely, absolutely think that Randy's right when he talks about AJ. You know, AJ needs this victory more than Randy Orton does at this point, for sure. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. And, you know, at first I was I was thinking to myself, well, obviously we're going to have a Kevin Owens show or some kind of Kevin Owens appearance at WrestleMania. I would think that they were going to do the Kevin Owens show at WrestleMania. But then I was like, but Alexa Bliss is hosting, who's the other talk show host. So would you do both? I don't know, but I can't believe that Kevin Owens won't have some kind of spot this year at WrestleMania. Either way, it's going to be amazing. 80,000 people at MetLife Stadium trying to avoid the cold, trying to avoid the rain. The weather, I I think, I'm going to check right now as we speak. Because I checked uh, uh, last week, last Sunday, and the forecast was very, very good for this Sunday. Let's see. Sunday, 63 degrees and cloudy. Although Saturday it's raining and Friday it's raining. And Monday and Tuesday it's raining. So Sunday would be the only day that it's not raining. Um... And it's cloudy, so we'll see. Still, uh, either way, it's going to be amazing. I wish there was a blizzard. People say, like, oh, what if it rains? What if there's a blizzard? If there was bad weather at an outdoor WrestleMania, it would be the funnest thing in the world. Not one fan would be upset. Nobody would be upset. It would be a moment. And you'd look out, and there'd be a camera shot of all the audience members, and they're soaking wet, but nobody's left their seats, and... One of the wrestlers goes out into the crowd. I just, I think it would be great. I think it would be, it, it would be terrific. Terrific. A lot's going to happen. I want you guys to let me know uh, on Twitter. Hit me up at NotSam on Twitter, at NotSam on Instagram, or at NotSamWrestling on Instagram. Uh, we had a couple of guests this week on Jim Norton and Sam Roberts. Elias popped in. Kofi Kingston popped in. Uh, if you want me to release those interviews as a bonus podcast, uh, let me know. You know, if you want to hear the interviews live, then you got to get SiriusXM and, and hear these things. We have guys on all the time. But um, maybe because it's WrestleMania week, we should do a bonus pod. I don't know. You let me know. 
I can't wait. Let's be in communication. Get on Patreon and be in that Discord room. I'm in there all the time. Uh, and start chatting about WrestleMania. All the Not Sam shells from, from the money mark level up have access to the Discord room. And it's the funnest place to talk wrestling with none of the negativity and none of the BS. So uh, check it out. Uh, and I will see you. I'll see you at WrestleMania. And I'll see you next week right here on Not Sam Wrestling. Thanks for listening. Follow at Not Sam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Thanks for sticking around, and thanks to one of the great sponsors of this episode of Not Sam Wrestling. Of course, I'm talking about the sponsor that can give you extra confidence in bed, and that's Blue Chew. BlueChew.com, the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. Blue Chew is for any guy who wants to enhance their performance, and it ships straight to your door in a discreet package. Just visit BlueChew.com. Get your first shipment for free when you use our special promo code ROBERTS. All you do is pay $5 shipping. That's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code ROBERTS, to try it for free.